You're listening to the Kessel Rundown Podcast. If you like what you hear, consider sharing with your friends and family. If you're watching on YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe. Any interaction helps out the channel. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Kessel Rundown Podcast. A Star Wars podcast where we discuss news, upcoming projects, and more from a galaxy far, far away. I'm Hunter Parcel, and to round out this dynamic duo, I'm joined with Ethan Bennyfield. How are you doing today? What's up? It's been too long. It's been way too long. A whole entire Star Wars series has uh, come and gone since we've made a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I think seven episodes of the 12 of the Andor have, series have come out, and we've true, you know, we true, just got to do our best to, to recap that. But we had, we had planned, obviously, to do one episode for every arc, and it, it just didn't work out like that. Life's busy. Yeah. Yeah, life life is life. And uh, we're both, you know, if, if this is your first time listening or, or you don't know us, uh, we're both, you know, 22, 23. So we're, we're kind of just trying to find our way in the world still. So sometimes that means working really, really hard for a couple months at a time. But the gas is letting yep. off. It's Christmas time almost. And we're ready to talk some Star Wars. Definitely. Uh, to start talking about Star Wars, I guess we should get into some news today. All right. You're going to like this one. So Lucasfilm have finally released the date for the premiere of season three of The Mandalorian, which is March 1st, 2023. So pretty close. The news was released at CCXP, which is a Comic-Con they hold in Brazil. John Favreau, when speaking at CCXP, said that the season three of The Mandalorian is going to be bigger in scope than previous seasons, more space battles, more Mandalorians, and other surprises to come. Pedro Pascal, hmm. who plays Din Djarin, was also at CCXP, and he stated that it was an honor to be everyone's, and I quote, space daddy. I also want to note that he was also wearing Star Wars pajamas while on stage. He really is the best space daddy. Season three of The Mandalorian, March 1st, 2023. That's really close. Only uh, four-ish months away, three-ish months away. We also have The Bad Batch coming January 4th. So there is going to be some overlap. So, I mean, we have some content in the wings for us waiting to to dive into. I guess The Mandalorian's gotten pushed back maybe a week or two. You know, it was rumored to be Mm mid-February, but I'm not mad about it. We'll see how long The Bad Batch season is. We shouldn't have too too much of a break uh, in between those two series. Personally, after watching Andor, I have a, a, a newfound love for smaller scope Star Wars. But I can appreciate <laughs> that the need for Mandalorian to go big picture, you know, with the fight over the throne, mm-hmm. Mandalore. And there's there's going to be a civil war every eight years on Mandalore. You know, it's just the, the way things go. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Same in the U.S. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see you know what direction Favreau and Filoni go with this and you know how much Ahsoka show teases we're gonna get in this are we gonna get something crazy like Ezra showing up in the season finale or something like that or are we gonna or is it gonna stay relatively predictable you know uh so I'm excited for sure and Bad Batch you know I still need to Still need to grind through season one. I uh, made a little bit in. Uh, really enjoyed it. Just I got mm-hmm. caught up actually uh, watching Rebels, working mm-hmm. through season three of Rebels right now. And then obviously Andor has taken all of my attention. So that's funny. Well, um, I will say just think of season one. They somehow hid the reveal of Grogu from us. Season two, they somehow hid the reveal of Luke Skywalker from us. So season three, I mean, what's going to happen? Who are they going to reveal? I just there's there's so many possibilities. I have I just have no clue what's going to happen. And I'm so excited for March 1st to come around. Uh, We are a Star Wars podcast, but Star Wars is part of Lucasfilm. And Lucasfilm was also part of Indiana Jones. 
And at CCXP, they also revealed the first trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Are you a fan of Indiana Jones, Ethan? Um, I've seen all of them. I love Last Crusade uh, because Sean Connery is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Although not not the greatest <laughs> feminist in the world, but nope. Yeah, I, I like Pimple of Doom and Last Crusade, I think, uh, are my favorites. But Crystal Skull kind of turned me off from, from future Indiana Jones endeavors. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. But uh, Harrison Ford, during an interview, said that um, some of the story of Dial of Destiny is going to take place in the past, which means they're going to de-age Harrison Ford. Oh, boy. Uh, and he said, but, 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 Harrison Ford said that the de-age technology in this film is the first time he's ever believed it. I mean, coming from Harrison Ford, the Grinch of all people, the lovable Grinch of all people, that that's big. He usually doesn't like anything like that, you know, but he loves Indiana Jones. He thinks that the de-aging is perfect for the film. The trailer came out and it does look really gorgeous. Uh, you can still kind of have that like uncanny valley uh, situation happening where you can look at him and kind of say like, oh, he looks just a little off. But I think it looks better than the man uh, than uh, what was it? Book of Boba Fett, Luke Skywalker. It's really coming along that technology. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I recently uh, rewatched Rogue One again with my little brother uh he he was like i haven't seen it since it came out let's watch it and just man tarkin and leia's de-aging that was like the <laughs> first time i'd ever seen it i yeah i mean they've come a long way so i'm sure it'll be accepted they have yeah i'm I'm sure it will be um uh, we need to see more in the film but that does arise uh another question not to get too into this but it's just a theory uh, mandalorian season three we could see a de-aged Han Solo. That could be a possibility. I I doubt it. I feel like if they if they did that, they would just have uh, what's his name from the Solo movie. Also, well, no, actually, they probably wouldn't because this would be after Return of the Jedi, so it'd be Harrison Ford era. But I just I don't I couldn't see Harrison Ford agreeing to come back to Star Wars. I just think he's done, which is fine. Every you know, he's he's very wise. He's a okay. I've done my part. It's time for me to move on, you know? Yeah, smash cut to Han Solo's reveal in Mandalorian Season 3. That'd be really funny. <laughs> uh, so, moving on from all the Harrison Ford de-aging, we're going to ditch Harrison Ford for right now. Earlier this week on December 2nd, the official page for EA Star Wars on Twitter changed their profile picture and banner to promote Jedi Survivor, which still doesn't have a firm release date. Hey, this is Hunter from the future. While editing this episode, Star Wars decided to announce that Jedi Survivor will indeed be shown at the Game Awards on December 8th along with the gameplay trailer. Leaks on Steam have this game releasing March 15th, but we'll get a concrete date during the stream. Back to the episode. So no concrete date just yet, but me being me, I do have a pretty good idea when we might get a release date and trailer. So the annual Game Awards, which is live this Thursday, December 8th, always comes out with like huge gaming reveals during its show so last year's show had the concept trailer for uh, star wars eclipse so it's not a huge stretch that jedi survivor will fully be shown there there are rumors about the release date which is late march now there are reasons to back the state up mainly because jedi battle scars which is a prequel tie-in novel to jedi survivor releases march 7th uh that kind of pivots into my uh, other piece of news so the official cover for jedi battle scars was also revealed by StarWars.com. The cover drops a lot of bombs on us, mainly the blurb on the front, which reads, in the years before Jedi Survivor. 
and the fifth brother is looming over the crew of the Mantis, making him the possible main antagonist for the book. Uh, this is a, a long one, so just bear with me. The official synopsis reads, Cal Kestis has built a life for himself with the crew of the Mantis. Together, Cal's crew has brought down bounty hunters, defeated Inquisitors, and even invaded Darth Vader himself. More importantly, Marin, Seer, Grease, and his faithful droid BD-1 are the closest thing Cal has to a family since the fall of the Jedi Order. Even as the galaxy's future grows more uncertain by the day, with each blow struck against the Empire, the Mantis crew grows more daring. On what should be a routine mission, they meet a stormtrooper determined to chart her own course with the help of Cal and the crew. In exchange for help starting a new life, the Imperial Deserter brings word of a powerful, potentially invaluable tool for their fight against the Empire. And even better, she can help them get to it. The only catch, pursuing it, will uh, bring them in the path of one of the Empire's most dangerous servants, the Inquisitor known as the Fifth Brother. So can the Imperial Deserter truly be trusted? And while Cal and his friends have survived run-ins with Inquisitors before, how many times can they evade the Empire before their luck runs out? So yeah, March 7th, I know you haven't played uh, Jedi Fallen Order. You don't really know the story. I gave you a, a quick rundown of just like the main points. But I am over the moon about this information. Uh, we were given this like bombshell trailer almost a year ago now and just radio silence ever since. So just like mm. the thought of like in a few days, we'll have all this information of a huge Star Wars story taking place uh, kind of around the same time as Kenobi. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. Do you have anything to add with this? Are you excited about it? Are you excited for well, me to uh, uh, talk your ear off about it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think Cal Kestis' story is is really interesting. So I would I'd be interested to read a book, you know, further explain that story. Mm-hmm. But you know, me, I'm not really a gamer, so I'll have to hear from you how that how that game goes, or you know, play it every once in a while when I'm with you or with my brother or mm-hmm. something. But like the new Call of Duty came out, and I I watch, I was hanging out with my wife's cousins, and I watched them play for a little bit. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it seems fun, but I don't really have a need to play it. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of my attitude towards yeah. video games in general. But I love books, and I've read a couple of the newer Star Wars books, and I really enjoyed them. So we went over the Brotherhood book and uh, Catalyst. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm always down for good books. So who knows if uh, if it's a you know higher level reading book like catalyst definitely was mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll probably be interested if it's like a you know something you'd find in your elementary school library that i that i might skip it but <laughs> well uh just coming from like the rating of the game which is a t for teen and it kind of does delve into some gr- more gruesome parts of star wars this is probably just going to be just a regular novel not like a ya novel just you know a regular Star Wars novel, probably akin to uh, Brotherhood or uh, maybe uh, that one book that came out uh, before Rise of Skywalker. I can't remember it, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be too kiddish, so you should have a good time reading it. I'm also pretty interested to see how they translate Cal into a book form and not just video game form because, you know, you're controlling yeah. that character and now in the yeah. book, you're not really controlling. So I don't know if it's going to be like a third person omniscient point of view where you can kind of gauge everyone's thoughts and feelings or it's just going to be Cal centric. Who knows? We'll have to wait until March 7th to see third, third person omniscient, but the throwback to junior year English class. <laughs> um, but that's what uh, yeah, I, I dug that out real far back. 
that's an interesting point because you know in a video game you can kind of just create this avatar and people fill in the story for you mm-hmm. and it's almost less work right you just have to animate this guy and give him a yeah. general backstory and you you as a player kind of play out your own story it'll be interesting you know them sketching out a whole personality for this guy and you know all that so that mm-hmm. i'm interested to, to read about that for sure what else we got we got the Andor discussion. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's talk about Andor. All right, Hunter. So let's go ahead and jump into this uh, this Andor discussion. So obviously last podcast we recorded, uh, mid-October, uh, there have been, I think, four or five episodes released, and we were talking about the first arc, the first three. Now life, mm-hmm. as we said, caught up with us, and we, we just haven't been able to record. So obviously the first season is over. So what we're going to do is uh, spend a few minutes on each of the arcs uh, episodes four, five, and six would be the what we call the Aldani arc, you know, where Cassian uh, is recruited and takes part in the Aldani heist. And then uh, episodes seven through ten would be the uh, the fallout from that heist, and then the uh, what we call the jail arc or the prison arc. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we'll spend I would I would assume a longer amount of time for the last couple episodes that just came out in the past week or two because yep. that wrapped up the season and you know sends us flying into season two which doesn't come out for like a year and a half so yep yep high expectations so the aldani arc remember we left off after the the big reveal the big kind of had its own finale in a way of the first three episodes um we left off there cassian and uh, luthan escaping ferrix and you know, making their way off world. And we, we later learned they landed on Aldani right in the middle of nowhere in the Scottish Highlands. It looked great. Mm-hmm. So episode four, Aldani, episode five, the ax forgets and episode six, the eye would make up this arc. And uh, basically they're planning a heist right there. They are going to steal, what was it like 80 million credits or something? It was enough payroll for an entire sector of the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was pretty cool how, um, I don't know when you when, Star Wars is so interesting because of course it was made in the seventies and it's supposed to be a long time ago. Galaxy far, far away, blah, blah, blah. When they say they have the entire payroll for an Imperial sector, you think that's going to be like digitalized or something, but no, it's like <laughs> freaking like banknotes in a vault that they have yeah. to manually steal and put manually put it on a uh, getaway ship. I just thought that was interesting and funny. Yeah. No and crypto here. Talking about the characters. Yeah, no crypto here. No, no, we're still we're still manual over here. Just getting into the characters, though, I want to say Nimic is probably my favorite character. Uh, yes, from Andor. Um, that's I mean, Kino Lo, Kino Loy is up there, but Nimic, uh, he's a catalyst for Cassian's just like whole His turn, arc, right? Whole story. Yeah, yeah. He he starts everything for cassian and he could possibly start the rebellion because of his manifesto that uh, cassian has who knows who's uh it could probably go to mon mothma or she might get the manifesto somehow or luthan might hear Ooh, it or something and it might start the yeah. whole rebellion yeah uh i i just love nimic so much it's a shame how he went out he, he died by the credits that fuel the empire well the credits that fuel the rebellion now though right that's very true. Yeah, I so putting aside the amazing cinematography of episode six, which we'll get to, I just I just want to shout out uh, the Gilroy brothers, the writers of these of this series. Mm. Man, what 
character development from these guys. I mean, the way that they made us care about and latch on to like five random rebels in the span of two episodes. <laughs> I we didn't we had no idea who Vel and uh Cinta and Nimic and forgive me the uh all the others <laughs> the three other guys that all died too we had no idea what you know even who they were right uh and it shows how quickly i forgave yeah. them because they're not included in the later episodes but the the guy that was working undercover <laughs> uh in the empire right uh and then the the kind yeah. of leader and of their operation other and then yeah the other the white guy that betrayed them i don't remember what his name was uh but Anyways, <laughs> uh, like I said, these are minor characters, right? It's it shows that we can't even remember their names. We're we're pretty big nerds here. We can't even remember half their names. So, yeah, they made us care about <laughs> these characters, right? In a span of like what fifty five minutes of screen time, and made us just oh my gosh, I can't believe they're really going to do this. Are they going to pull this heist off? Like, or is everyone going to die except for Cassian? Like, how's this going to work? And you know. Even knowing, okay, no one except for Cassian is going to be present in Rogue One, but like, mm-hmm. we still care what happens to the characters. That's good writing. Um, same thing with Rogue One. Like, watching Rogue One back uh, last week, it was like, man, I know every single person is going to die, but like, I still care about them, and that's that's really good writing. Uh, and I just I just want to shout out the creators of the show. Um, and, you know, the way that they structured this heist uh, was really true to life, I thought. Like, you, you had this budding rebellion orchestrated mm-hmm. by one mastermind and his circle of, of connected people. Uh, it's dirty, you know, it's it's grimy. Like, they're, they're, they're willing to kill each other if they have to. Um, Cassian gets dropped off on this planet and he's like, uh, you know, similar to what we what we see. Remember in Rogue One when they blindfold the pilot and take him to Saw. Like that's kind of the same energy we're getting here. Like none oh, of yeah. them trust him. Huh. None of them. None of them. Uh, like think that he's actually cares about the rebellion. And it turns out that at this point he really doesn't. He's in it for the money. He truly is until until he mm-hmm. hears Nimic's manifesto. Um, so and that changes it. And yeah, that sets yeah. Him on the path. Yes, exactly. So, um, I just I just want to shout out the writing and also, uh, Nimic just as kind of like a, I'm just searching for the right word like a, um, I don't know. He he kind of represents the the story in general, right? He represents the the arc of Cassian, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like personalized though, um, like he's the one like you true. said earlier that pushes him. To believe, uh, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I do want to say that uh, just a testament to the writers for this show. But every character that Cassian uh, talks to or involves himself with uh, sh- is basically a characteristic from who he is in Rogue One. Uh, we'll talk about Kino uh, later on, but every person he runs into it. It matters. It makes him into the person he is in Rogue One and ultimately saving the galaxy in Rogue One. Uh, just talk about Nimic. It makes him care for the the little person, for the rebellion. Uh, gives him a higher meaning and a purpose. Uh, yeah. It's 
the main reason why he killed, gosh, what's his name at the end of the Aldani arc? Um, whenever he was, uh, whenever he's like, you know, we can both split the the credits so we can go off somewhere. Uh, Cassian would have done that if he didn't meet Nimic. I believe so. If there, if he, he, I don't, he, I don't know. I don't think he. Would, I think he would have done it if he uh, didn't go through what he had gone through. And Nimic made him. Nimic made him care about the rebellion. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Basically, it, yeah. No, I think I think you're right. Um, man, I I just to be transparent for those listening who just want to understand our our process here, I just Googled. Uh, Nimic and or quotes because I was trying to find this one in particular and now I'm looking at just all these Google images of stuff from his manifesto and I'm just wowed at how well they wrote like this he was like the anti-fascist voice of uh <laughs> you know of like the 1940s this is so cool I just I love characters like this that can speak to real life things but also like be incredibly mm-hmm. uh specific to the situation in the show um yeah i think um i'm trying to find that quote that he's what was the quote that he said that the uh the attack from below uh the one is the one they won't expect um it's oh i know exactly what you're talking about i can't remember it man oh man that's gonna keep me up at night i can't remember that to I'll find it. Don't worry. Um, the life of me. But yeah, what did we think about the climax of this arc with uh, episode six, uh, Aldani? Or no, uh, episode six was called uh, the Eye, with with the actual heist that I, went I, on. Um, I thought that it was amazing, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Uh, I thought the uh, who was it? The Imperial. Uh, as we we talk about this, we haven't seen the episode probably since it released uh, two months ago. So some names are escaping us. But the Imperial contractor who was there, um, it's just I don't know. It it there was a moment where he where they all were captured, and he, and the Imperial was the hero. He wanted to save the kid. They got captured with them, and during the uh, during the interrogation or whenever it was. Uh, I think was it Cassian or someone someone killed him for trying to protect the kid and it really just showed how muddled the the, the scene was and how muddled the the whole rebellion is it's yeah like we said before the show came out Andor was going to be a dark uh, the dark underbelly of the rebellion's process uh, we're not going to see you know the 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 space wizards fighting for good we're going to see uh how uh, the space wizards were given the tools to fight for good. We're going to see all the, the dirty stuff about it. And we saw that. I mean, they threatened a child's life and they, we still don't know what they did to those people after they were tied up and left at the Imperial station. Sinta might've just, you know, killed them. Or, I mean, I would probably think so because they didn't really go after her or anything. Um, or she could have just left him tied up. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, um, deep stuff, man. Just a couple, a couple Nimic quotes. Um, just, just to, just to make you think. Um, <laughs> and this is, this is a, getting might get a little meta, but as a <laughs> person on a personal level, I consider myself like a, a spiritual person. 
uh, a, I, yeah. Um, and Nimick says, I'm struggling to understand why my faith doesn't calm me. I believe in something. Why am I so unsettled? I mean, you have nothing. You sleep like a stone. And he's like, he's talking to Cassian the night before their, mm-hmm. the actual, uh, um, heist. Uh, and I was like, man, that is so true. Like, even if what you believe in is true and you know, that's true. Like, you still have those moments of doubt where it's like, why, why am I not more calmed by this? Why are the people around me thriving and they don't care? You know what I mean? Um, I, just, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, man, there's a mimic in all of us. I love, I love that character so much. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, well, we can move on to the next arc. Before we do, though, I wanted to uh, wanted to shout out the the colors of the eye, uh, just the the big flight Beautiful. they take, you know, and the it's it's contrasted with the the tribe people like chanting on the bottom of mm-hmm. the on the surface and all that. Man, just masterfully done. I think I still think that was the best episode of the of the series to me. Okay, that's interesting. Um, considering what comes next directly after in the prison arc, which is my favorite arc of the show. Um, man, it's, Oh, every episode of this show is gold, but that prison arc was just insane. Uh, so we start with, uh, Cassian. He ran away to a different planet. What was it? Neomos, I believe so. Something like that. Yeah. It was like, a, yeah, it was basically Miami. Yeah. Yeah. It was Space Miami. Um, kind of like on the same grounds as like Canto Bite being Space Vegas. It was Space Miami. Um, so he goes there to run away. I believe that the episode after the eye was kind of a break in between arcs where Cassian goes back home to try to, uh, to take Marva and B2 uh, with him. But yes. Marva, yeah, Marva says no, that uh, she wants to stay and kind of, kind of start a rebellion on, yeah. uh, on, on Ferrix. Yeah. And, episode seven uh, yeah. announcement. That's what it's called. It's the, uh, the ISB and the empire announcing their crackdown on rebellions everywhere and that they're you yes. know, tripling the sentences and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's also when we get back to uh, our favorite character, Cyril Karn. Uh, he's living with his mother. Uh, and he's living with his mother. His uncle gets him a job. He is just, man. <laughs> he's a normal yeah. guy. He's a normal, he's a normal guy. guy living yes. on Coruscant. Um, so he he goes back. He, he has a nice, cushy surveillance job, uh, inputting code or something. Who knows? Uh, but, I mean, later on we find out that he's really been trying to meet with the isb to get to the bottom of all this uh this well, indoor stuff he was trying to get to something else too with uh oh with yes our, with our Deidre. gal Dejimiro. yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah. um we're, we're gonna see more of that later on but so andor he wants to he goes to the shop to get something and he's a victim of uh like stormtrooper brutality i would I say like know. police brutality i don't know but he's wrongfully accused of uh of doing something bad and uh so yeah they the don't Empire, even they don't even say yeah. what they were just like uh you're under arrest he's like for what and they were like resisting arrest he's like wait what <laughs> yeah yeah and he's thrown into this like this this fake 
uh, court courtroom where your sentence is already made the second you get those handcuffs on you. So he's given like six years on um, on this on this prison. Do you remember what the prison was called? I'm not. I think sure. it was called the uh, the Brittany Griner Special. I'm not sure. I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> anyone listening who knows my, that references. Uh, shout us out on Twitter, please. Uh, no, Narkina Five was the planet that Narkina Five. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's also the title of Episode Eight, which I guess starts the prison arc. Mm-hmm. So he gets uh, to Narkina Five, um, and it's this uh, this sterile, white, cold environment where. Not even the guards have any weapons on them. The weapons are what was it like a magnetized floor? Which yeah, you, we we should have known something was on, up. We should have known something was up when we saw the uh, when we saw the guards walking in wearing Jordan sixes. We're like, oh no, what's <laughs> going on? <laughs> they had those moon boots on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so basically, this prison is uh, so a labor camp, really different levels section into making pieces of a product that we don't know what what it's for i saw a really funny theory that um that one level assembles the product and another level disassembles it then one uh, <laughs> assembles it and the other level that's, like takes it apart it's just yeah. yeah it's just like an imperial workforce thing to break their minds or something but we eventually find out what it's for but we just see andor going through the motions we meet uh Kino Loy, who is the uh, floor man, basically they make uh, they make this grueling task of t- these twelve hour shifts into a game, which I kind of do at my own job sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who among us? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they make it into this game, and uh, it's it's pretty challenging. So I think in total, uh, Cassian's there a month. And we meet only a uh, month. also Melshi. Yeah, I think so. I think he's there only a month. But we also meet Melshi, who is in Rogue One as well. Did you catch Melshi whenever you so at Rogue the time? One? At the time, I did not. Uh, but obviously, I heard ah. about it and saw it on the internet. And then when I rewatched Rogue One last week after the end of Andor, I was like, "Oh, there he is!" And I was just watching him the whole time that he was in the scene. And then he died. Yeah, then <laughs> just he died. like um, yeah, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, terrible. It's terrible. Uh, but through this arc, we also are cutting back and forth to Mon Mothma. She's meeting with Luthen, um, trying to see uh, really who was behind Aldani. And I believe this yeah. is also when Luthen uh, meets Saw Gerrera. And Saw is asking, yes, like, I yeah, like, so. was it was it you behind the Aldani uh, thing? And he's like, nah, like, I thought it was you. Kind of like, you know, this Shadow Rebellion is happening. Uh, nobody really knows what's happening and also the isb is uh cracking down on uh what was his name anton kruger and the other anto krieger anto anto krieger dang i was like off by a syllable you were were close yeah yeah (laughs) uh but yeah we also see him um he's also leading a resistance uh kind of like saw like saw's partisans but the prison arc eventually can i cut in real quick yeah go ahead so I just thought it was really interesting that they they kind of laid out the landscape of uh, pre pre unified rebellion before Mon Mothma mm-hmm. makes the big speech and rebels and you know it all kind of comes together. Uh, you have Krieger's troops, Saw's uh, 
what what did you call them? Uh, uh, partisans. Partisans. And uh, and then Luthen kind of trying to orchestrate everything. But he's got his own people, you know, as we see later with Vel and Cinta on Coruscant. Mm-hmm. He's got his own spies and everything. Everyone's got their own network. And they're not – they work together a little bit, but they don't share resources unless it's like this weird trade. You know, like Luthen comes to Saul and he's like, I'll give you this if you give me this. It's not like mm-hmm. a direct chain of command like we'll see later. Um, so I just – I loved that. That's an era we really haven't seen before, you know. Uh, obviously in Rebels we see this one little group, but we don't see like mm-hmm. the infighting as much. And man, that scene with uh, Forrest Whitaker and uh, Stellan Skarsgård where they're sitting across from each other and he's like, join up with Krieger, help us fight. And then Whitaker, you know, obviously playing Saw Gerrera, just goes on this tangent about <laughs> uh, separatists. Whatever he said, what does he say? Like, like enlightened Republicans, or I don't know what he says. Oh, he lists um, off like all these lists. Yeah, and he also talks just, about a human, um, like extremists, kind of like the Empire. They're human extremists. They don't, yeah, what, they don't, with that one yeah. line when he's like, "They are lost." Like that's my that might <laughs> be my favorite interaction in the whole series, uh, just because that is so true to what we know about Saw. You know, they mm-hmm. they. They continued that character perfectly. Um, and I, I just love that that exchange there. Um, and obviously, Luthen has to come crawling back later when he when he decides he's going to send Krieger to his death. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know if that's... That might be in episode 11. I'm sorry for stepping on that. But man, I, I just love all the Saw Guerrero content that we get. I mean, when you start talking about Saw, you can't really stop. I mean, he's you just want to talk about him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but let's let's move on. Do you want to talk about how this prison art kind of unfolds after uh, Cassian gets a little bit a little comfortable? Yeah, once he kind of, you know, the first episode, I guess episode eight, where he's he's just so overwhelmed, and I I love that. Like he's so, um, he's so just shocked. Like he's it's like, what's mm-hmm. going on? Like and. Before long, like he starts, okay, I'm used to the work. I can, I can do this. Um, and he keeps his mental strength up enough to start looking around, uh, and, and looking for a way out. And, um, by, by the second episode of this arc, um, which is episode nine, we, we get, um, you know, that iconic, nobody's listening, nobody's listening when he's like screaming at Kino. Uh, and you know, he's, he's trying to figure out, okay, where, how many guards are there? How many levels are there? Like, oh, we can't communicate mm-hmm. between levels. Wait, what happened on level two? Like, there, there's all this stuff. Like, it's all over the place. We have no idea as the viewer like what's going on. We really don't. Uh, and that's that's they did a great job with that um, mm-hmm. because you have you really have no idea how far along they are in this plan. Like, you just know that everything seems impossible all the time until it's mm-hmm. not, and uh, until Kino turns. I guess that's at the end of episode nine. Uh, where he yes. he's so, walking out. Yeah, well, you can yeah, talk about that. Since yeah, Kino's so we your guy. learn. Oh, Kino is my guy. So uh, we learn that uh, the prison c- killed an entire floor uh, just for finding out that nobody nobody leaves this place. Um, Kino, I don't remember how many days he had left. I think he had about two hundred days left. I don't remember, but there was one character who only had forty days left. Do you remember his name? He was the um, other guy who had a stroke. 
No. <laughs> well, we have this older guy. <laughs> we have this older guy. He's um he's forty days out from uh, from getting out of prison, and that's and, and that's Kino. Basically, he has a soft spot for him, and whenever we find out that uh, no one gets out, they just cycle them through the prison. Yeah. And somehow, uh, just because of how um, comfortable the guards are, the guards are just like glorified babysitters. They don't they don't care. They're lazy. They're constantly missing shifts. Uh, we find out that, um, that one transfer wound up on a floor that they've already been at. So they fried an entire floor to uh, keep them quiet and to quiet Olaf. the rebellion. Olaf, yes. Yes. So... When we find this out and Olaf dies and from a stroke and nobody really cares, not even the doctor. He's just so um, unfazed by it. Who also, the doctor plays uh, James Potter. thought that was pretty cool. Whoa, uh, I did not looks, know that. Yes. No, he, he looks so different from when you see him in the Harry Potter um, movies. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I just, yeah, revelations back and forth. Uh, that leads to a, an uprising, a small-scale rebellion, and where they all band together. They, I mean, a lot of people die. They're they shouting one way out. There's only one way out for all of us. And they all band together. They take over the station only to find out that Kino Loy, the mastermind, well, not the mastermind, but the guy leading the rebellion, doesn't know how to swim. So he he led everyone to their liberation, but he himself cannot be liberated. And it's yeah. it like Poetic. I was saying, each yeah, <laughs> um, each person that interacts with Cassian um, is a characteristic from himself in Rogue One. The whole mission to Scarif and how they knew it was going to be a suicide mission. Um, Kino knew there was only one way out. He knew he wasn't going to survive. Um, he had to lead everyone out so they can survive. Um, Cassian, he sees that at the end when Kino tells him he can't swim. That is one of the big reasons why I think that Cassian agreed to go on the mission to Scarif. It's, mm. it's just, it's every character he interacts with affects him. That goes, that kind of leads into my next, my first discussion point. Um, do you think Kino Loy survived somehow? Um, no, I really don't. Yeah. I just, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think we're better off not <laughs> knowing, you know, I think it's open to interpretation, but it looked like Melshi and Cassian were the only ones that got away to me. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, We'll never know, and I think it's better that we don't. Andy Serkis can show up for a third time as some other character in some other Star Wars, um, you know, Please. IP, and and we can. Please, um, yeah, we'll we'll just be happy when he I shows think back this up, prison I... arc was definitely. I think this prison arc was probably the best TV of the year. Uh, mm. Andy Serkis's performance was it, it brought tears to our eyes. At uh, I think whenever he was. Whenever they were on the hallway, and he real he finally realized that what he he needed to do, uh, he was terrified, but he kept everybody yeah. in line. Man, f- such great acting. But to answer my question, 
Um, no, I don't think Keanu Loy survived. I think he led everyone to, like I said earlier, to everyone's liberation and he couldn't be liberated himself. Um, just feeling, uh, feeling who Cassian is in Rogue One. Um, I've seen some theories that the Empire found him and turned him into Snoke, but no, that's not right. That's not it. <laughs> it's not right. <laughs> I would give up on Star Wars if that was true. <laughs> but no, that's not what but, happens um yeah i i love the uh the sense of foreboding that kind of builds through those three episodes like mm-hmm. at first he's like oh my gosh like what is this place and it you know when they get in you're kind of as a viewer looking around for weak spots at the prison you're like okay he's gonna get out we know he's gonna get out but how um mm-hmm. And then when they start working and it goes to that montage of the daily work where they're sliding that thing into place where it's like that sound and it like mm-hmm. every day ends like that and it just keeps going and going. And it, I think it's when they tell us like he's been there a month and Cassian's just like freaking out like he doesn't know what's going on like he doesn't know how he's going to survive that mm-hmm. like you just get this overwhelming sense of oh my gosh like how is he going to escape this even though we know he's going to like that is such good yeah. story <laughs> story writing like we know for 100% sure that this man's only going to be in here for at most like 2 years but probably way less yeah. than that because they've got a show to pace and <laughs> we we still feared for him and all of his friends and it, that's just so that's just so cool i love i love writing. star wars yeah. Um, before we move on to the final arc of the show, uh, I want to kind of circle back to something you said earlier about uh, one of Nimic's quotes, uh, asking Cassian uh, how he slept. Um, Cassian, um, before the high said he slept like a, like what, like stones, like a rock. Uh, yeah. He was able to sleep before it because he had really nothing. He had no faith. He had nothing to believe in. Yeah. Well, he had nothing uh, to but- lose. Yeah. Yeah, he had nothing to lose, really. But the night before the the rebellion on Narkina Five, he can't sleep, and I think that is such a great small detail for just some people to catch on. Everyone, but he can't sleep that night, and it's just harkening back to Nemec. I don't know if that was intentional. It had to be. Just the way this show was written, it had to be intentional. But great, great little points of uh, amazing uh, writing. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I I agree. I I'd say. Um, what do you think, Nimic was your second favorite? Like, would you say Kino, Nimic, uh, and then Cassian? Like, how would you rate your top three characters this season before we move on to the finale? I would have to say um, it's uh, Kino, Nimic, and then Brasso. Hmm. Bresso is such Brasso. a good character to me. Um, remind me who Brasso is. <laughs> Brasso? <laughs> it's fine. There's a lot of characters in the show. Uh, Brasso uh, is Cassian's best friend. Uh, the one who looked okay, after yes. uh, B2 after oh, Marvel. Oh, man. What a man. We'll what talk a... about it later. Yeah. So uh, What a um, hunk. I would say <laughs> I would say one is Luthen. Two is, is Cassian. Ooh, okay. And then... And then three, um, I guess, I guess Nimic, just because he he made me feel things that I was I didn't think I was gonna mm-hmm. feel watching Star Wars um, after <laughs> after Kenobi and Boba Fett. I was I was a little down on the the whole experience. And man, he made me yeah. believe again. 
That's good. Let's You're a true let's move on now. to the last the last couple episodes. Um, so episode mm-hmm. eleven. Um, let me find that title real quick. Uh, and then we had the finale episode. So episode eleven, daughter of Ferrix. Uh, this is Marva's death. Uh, mm. This is um, you know Cassian's trying to come back. He says goodbye to Melshi, uh, and he's uh, you know he's heading back. I, I really didn't know at the end of this episode if he was if he was going to come back for the funeral. I was like, no way, right? No way. And then as the week went on, I was like, oh, I guess, yeah, this makes sense. Everyone's going to come to the same place for the finale. Uh, and then, you know, just to continue with the brief overview here, uh, episode 12, Rick's Road, uh, it's it's a powder keg, right? Ferrix is, is ready to blow. And mm-hmm. uh, Marva's hologram, uh, Tupac at Coachella, speech um <laughs> gets everybody riled up and then they brasso smacks that guy with a brick and then here we go um and he smacks him with marva yes <laughs> so before <laughs> before we get into specifics uh cassian watches as the funeral unfolds and then all hell breaks loose and uh luthan's mind is changed about what he believes uh about rebellion and uh, Cassian ends up joining Luthen at the end, and we just have an awesome, mm-hmm. awesome fight scene. And uh, yeah, so um, before we before we get into the finale, episode eleven, um, super sad. I I was I cried uh, when mm-hmm. when B two uh, so so Marva dies. Right, um, she's really sick throughout the jail for, throughout the prison arc, and uh, and mm-hmm. she dies off screen. Right, and that's just the the agony and the the abruptness of death is shown once again in this series and uh yeah just old age you know nothing nothing heroic about that but uh until the next episode i guess um <laughs> but yeah b2 uh this is what made me emotional when when you know b2's like he's a droid but he's also he has emotion clearly right and uh mm-hmm. brasso says um what does he say? Hey, you, you just need, you're tired. You just need to sleep or something like that. And he's like, I don't want to sleep. I want Marva. Um, that's and, oh, so good, man. How does a droid make me cry? I know. I know. How does Star Wars do that? So, <laughs> so, so consistently every um, time. Yeah. Man. Oh, oh! He says, Every uh, time. "Do you?" He asks him. Um, Brasso asks B two, uh, "Do you just need to be alone, or, or maybe you just need to be alone, or something like that?" And he says, "I don't want to be alone. I want to be with Marva." Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, "Ugh, it's it's brutal." And he convinces Brasso to stay the night. I think that's so sweet. Yeah, Brasso is like it hugs on the okay. heartstrings a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So. Well, um, before we talk about Ferrix in these last two episodes, let's talk about Luthen real quick. So he goes crawling back to Saw after everything that happened. Um, and he he reveals to Saw that he has people in the ISB. And he tells this to Saw to... I don't know why I'm blanking. Why does he tell this to Saw? Well, okay. So he originally wanted saw to help Krieger. And then he found out that the ISB knew about Krieger, yes. Krieger's invasion. So he basically sacrificed Krieger to save oh, his, yes, his yes, mole, yes, yes, yes. to save his spy. 
So he goes to mm-hmm. Saw and basically tries to trick him into backing out of the uh, invasion. Because Saul's like, I'm ready yes. to go. Let's go. And you know, I have this awkward moment where Luthen's like, uh, about that. Hey, we're not going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it again just shows the dirty side of the rebellion. Uh, we see we see a page turn with Luthen in episode 12. Uh, we'll talk about that once we get there. Um, but to this point in the story, Luthen has, as he revealed in episode 10 with his little like uh, dialogue with the the ISB informant, uh, the rebellion is everything to him. He's given everything for the rebellion, um, his humanity, his soul, his family. Oh, what everything. a freaking monologue. Yeah. Oh, man. I, that's top that's top 10 monologues that i've ever heard it was so good he that is like that so yeah. that is that is kenneth brana henry v level mm-hmm. like monologue skills i, I was there. blown away it is up there same way he had his little monologue in episode three when he was like told cassian he was like don't you want to fight these bastards for real yeah and you can just hear yeah. the the desperation and hope in his voice and my eyes are starting to swell, and I'm like, I want to fight these bastards for real. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, put me in, coach, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so he escapes in on his uh, ship, which has a lot more tricks than we thought they it did. Uh, he he takes down um, the tracking device and the and the um, what is it called? The tractor beam device for this star destroyer. Um, it's not a star destroyer, but I can't think of the word for oh, it right it's now, just but like it's a patrol ship. It's a star patrol story, ship, it looks like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes it out, and he has lightsabers in the ship. It's freaking cool. <laughs> uh, he ruins that officer's day. Yeah, I was, yes. I was at home oh, by myself, I was just so shocked with with the lights off. It was like eight p.m. Uh, my wife was, I don't know where she was, at a meeting <laughs> or something, and I was. I was, I think I was drinking like a dark beer, which I always do when I watch Star Wars for some reason. And I literally, when the, <laughs> when the big lasers went out, you know, I, I tend to think of myself as like a, a thoughtful guy, right? I, I approach um, shows and movies with a, with a certain intellectual uh, gravity. I, I like to think, you know, I call them films if I want to sound smart. Uh, and when those lightsabers came out, I turned into a four-year-old. I was like, oh, and like I could not contain myself. Like this dude had huge lasers sticking out the side of his ship. Why have we never seen this before? <laughs> Where's this been all my life? Big red laser causes neuron activation. It was basically <laughs> like that. I saw it and I went, oh my God, like my whole, all of my, my inhibitions. Um, just, oh man. I let loose. It was like three in the morning for me. I watched these episodes as they come out. So uh, I kind of hyped myself up all day and all night. And then I get to the 2 a.m. And I watch it all through. And then at 3 a.m. I'm like, dang, I need to go to bed. But I'm hyped on this. And those stupid red beams had me up until 5 a.m. Just like, oh, my God. On on Twitter forums and Reddit forums talking about it and discussing with people how cool that there were red beams in a show gosh it was so cool but, what has star wars done to me yeah what have, what have they done to our brains i don't know but i don't i'm not mad um <laughs> but so back to the the saw Guerrera, just uh we see the turn 
even from episode 11, episode 12, because we see Luthen, like, he's still committed to killing, like, having Anto Krieger die, right? We don't even see that battle, by the way. That happens mm-hmm. off screen, uh, which shows how insignificant he was to Luthen, uh, that he was willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. him and his whole, like, regiment, basically. Um, but it's kind of like when Rob Stark sent, uh, sent 2,000 men to get slaughtered by the Lannisters, and then Tywin... Uh, yep. Tyrion wakes up and he's like, "What happened? Where's Rob Stark?" And uh, Tywin's like, "With his other eighteen thousand, we that's basically basically <laughs> what happened." Um, but such a good moment, yeah. Um, but they're talking, and Saul realizes what's happening. He's like, "Oh my gosh! Like you're gonna you're gonna let him die? Like you're gonna sacrifice Krieger?" And uh, and he's like, "For the greater good." And Luthen goes, "Call it what you will." And Saul Guerrero, just that iconic. Forest Whitaker voice. He's like, "Let's call it war." Let's it's so it war. great. Yeah, I I was hyped. Uh, so <laughs> great episode. But the finale. If we're ready to move on to to the one that came out last week, the finale was I am. just Chef's kiss. I mean, I I saw some hmm. articles saying that it was lackluster, and I I I was oh, I just couldn't no. believe it. I I thought it was incredible. It's everything I wanted. Uh, yeah, the finale was amazing. Uh, just kind of saying this right now, I during that little quick um, dialogue about Saw, I made a little uh, meme. I guess I'll post it on the YouTube channel, uh, but I just sent it to you if you want to take a look at that. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll wait. <laughs> it's really stupid. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, <laughs> Hunter's got the sense of humor of a six-year-old, so... We're going to keep forging ahead. Um, the finale, right? We, we uh, see, um, man, what, how does this, how does this episode even start? Um, is it, it starts with, is it Mon and her husband in the car with the, with the driver? Uh, I don't believe so. How does this episode start? Um, I can tell you how it ends. I can tell you how it starts. <laughs> well, we don't have to go in chronological order, I guess, but, um, we we should touch on Mon Mothma because we haven't we haven't talked about her her story arc uh, too much. No, um, her daughter. Yeah, yeah. Basically, she's yeah. trying to evade the empire. Right? Uh, they they found her financials. They they're like, huh? What's this going on? So she plants this fake story because she knows her driver's spying on her. Uh, that her husband has been gambling away their money. Mm-hmm. So basically, that explains why there's two hundred million dollars missing from their bank account or whatever it is uh 200,000 mm-hmm. i think actually um so so smart yeah that's genius right um but basically to finance the rebellion she's had to promise her daughter to the son of uh a war criminal banker from of another planet yeah yeah Chandrillion, so. yeah yeah. Who knows? so that's her Who her story was knows? interesting it's, but it it wasn't willing to sacrifice everything yeah and i i we, you know, I, I found her story interesting and uh, intense and sad that she she has to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of skate over her own family to to get the rebellion going. But it definitely wasn't the centerpiece of the show. It just kind of added on to the tension that we were feeling yeah. at Rick's Road mm-hmm. uh, on Ferrix in this finale. So, um, yeah, why don't we just why don't we just talk about Cassian's return to his home, his hometown and. 
um, man, just the emotional weight of, of watching that funeral, what that must've been like for him. Yeah. So it, yeah, he can't even w- watch the funeral. Um, kind of a, a little tidbit um, before the, the episode kind of like starts off, uh, but before the funeral starts, uh, the citizens of Ferrix uh, go to the Empire who are occupying them and they're like, hey, like we're going to throw this thing for uh, for Marva. She was the daughter of Ferrix and all that. And they only grant them like 40 people. And only like this little section of like cordoned off, and they're like, "Yeah, no, we're not going to do that." Uh, Marva wouldn't have wanted that, so they, so in Farrick's fashion, they gather the entire town <laughs> and they, like they walk down people. the road. Um, <laughs> I know, and all of our characters that we've been following, except Mon Mothma, um, all meet in Ferrix at this one place and it's oh yeah. it was such good writing that we've seen everyone we even saw Cyril we saw Mosk um the pocket of fermenting guy yeah um, yeah we saw Luthen get there Cinta um the other person that Cinta's with um, Vel everyone yeah. yeah Vel um everyone is there um Dedra's even there and it all pops off uh, because of um, I forget his name, but his son, his son uh, made that homemade bomb, and yeah, you know, so we knew something was going to pop off. It was Marva. I mean, it's Marva was we knew what she was thinking. All of her uh, friends and family knew what she was thinking. Um, yeah. So they you don't you don't hire big holocron. You don't hire what? Fiona Shaw if you're not going to have this seminal you know no, exactly moment. yeah exactly yeah so it's a call to war um she she wants all of um Ferex to rise up against the empire basically um and luthan luthan sees this message and he that's the moment he knows that there are other people in the galaxy like him willing to do um the dirty work and i i honestly think that's the start of the rebellion right there that's when luthan knows that he has to get into gear um, that's when he can trust Cassian, and that's when he can work with Saw and try to work with Mon to get re- this rebellion into a bigger picture. But we aren't going to well, see that until season two. But um, Marva yeah, could be you, the catalyst for the rebellion, you, as Nimic is. Yeah. So the do you think that Luthen? I mean, I I just kind of assumed when I was watching, like obviously he's stone faced, but you can kind of see his mind shifting from, you know, I'm going to play dirty mm-hmm. to like man there's there's real hope like the whole rebellions are built on hope thing that that cassian will say uh later in rogue one um that that idea seems to have caught luthan uh because he he Mm -hmm. kind of all of a sudden is like he's looking down that awesome shot where he's at by his ship or no not he's at the top of the city and he's looking down and you just see the smoke and the fire as the stormtroopers are opening fire on like innocent civilians and he mm-hmm. he intentionally provoked this kind of stuff by with Aldani. Like he he intentionally yeah. did this. And so in a way it is his fault. Uh and he knows that he can't just sit by while this happens and add it up to the greater good. Like he has to he has to capitalize on this by moving the rebellion forward. But I think it he moves forward mm-hmm. imbued with like a new a new hope and a new side of him that's a little bit softer. Ooh. And that's that's just what I got from it. 
I like the way he's turning that together with the new hope. That was that's pretty nice. Oh, I didn't even. Uh, yeah, I I agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I agree. I think uh, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, but we also um, see that um, Cassian uh, he learns that Bix. We didn't even talk about Bix, but that's okay. Um, that Bix was uh, captured by the Empire and slowly being tortured by the screams of. Uh, children uh being murdered by the empire i'm 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 glad they didn't like show us the screams they didn't let us listen to it like it's just our imagination i think it's more horrible that way yeah um but she she is just broken man uh he goes and he rescues her as the the riots are uh are happening and at one point uh, Deidre gets overwhelmed, and the simp that he is, Cyril, runs in <laughs> to save the day. And uh, there's, there's a moment at the end where <laughs> where Deidre kind of realizes that Cyril isn't this this weird person who's always like a like a wayward puppy. You know, he can actually do some good. Um, so that goes on to my uh, next discussion question. So, what do you think will happen to Cyril now that? he and Deidre are on good terms. Uh, I'm just putting this out there. Senta did kill one of Deidre's assassins, so that leaves a job opening for Cyril. Maybe not uh, an assassin, but, you know, there's still a job opening. I don't know, man. I, I really thought she was going to kill him when she when she saw him, but maybe they'll start going out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I I was kind of just yeah, grossed out I, by I, that we'll moment. Say... <laughs> uh, Cyril is the perfect poster boy for the empire um he just eats up all their all their lies and all their propaganda Uh, there's no way um he's gonna turn to the rebellion there's there's absolutely no hope he's just he's gonna live and die by it so i think that him and Deidre are gonna start working together uh to capture andor and kind of put down this uh, rebellion threat because there has to be consequences on ferrix because eventually they uh Deidre has to return to the ISB and um uh, explain what happened. Uh so there have to be consequences. Um but we'll see. Maybe this for will her the ISB in the gear yeah. and we'll see. Yeah, definitely. This this is probably the what will happen um that leads uh Agent Callus to get be given the position he's given in Rebels. Um and for further um boots to be put on uh different planets by the empire uh yeah is like i've been saying it uh a lot it's a catalyst for the rebellion uh but yeah I, that's what i think is gonna happen <laughs> uh we also see at the end of the riot uh sergeant mosk who's kind of just sitting in the alleyway kind of contemplating life um so what do you think what do you think he's thinking about um sergeant mosk oh yeah, I don't know. I, I don't yeah. I don't think we'll see him in the next uh season. I think he's you know, I'm good. I'm good leaving him where he is. Um <laughs> seems really? like yeah, see I he's fun, but you know, just kinda seems like a mm-hmm. good couple episode character. Not much else going on there. I loved the phone call okay. that he had with Cyril uh about <laughs> like where they're just missing each other. Uh, no, I can't hear you. What? What? Yes, Cassian. Yes, Andor. Yes, and he's like that's funny screaming. And Cyril's mom is just standing in the corner, looking so disapproving at him. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, I think he's a very good character. I hope they bring him back for season two because he could be a good like little uh, thorn in the side of Cyril as Cyril uh, gains rank in the in the ISB or whatever is going to happen. He could be a good little like uh, um, like how Donkey is the Shrek, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I I did see something though. Whenever he was in the alleyway, um, kind of all woe is me. Uh, you have to think that after um, they were disbanded, after him and uh, Cyril, Cyril were disbanded from their failure failure on Ferrix, uh, they went into two very separate directions. Cyril went back to Coruscant, uh, back to his mother's house, and worked a cushy job. But uh, Mosk went back to like hard labor. Like he saw right. how the Empire treats his their citizens. So maybe he's thinking he's he's, he's hearing Marva's words in his head. Maybe he's thinking, maybe the Empire doesn't have uh, the best in mind for us. Uh, so I hope that he can continue in Season 2 and he's going to be a little thorn in Cyril's side. But uh, who knows? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the writer, thank God, or else this show would have been a lot worse than it was if I wrote it. <laughs> There's no way I can write like them. Uh, but yeah, that basically uh, ends the arc and the show. Andor gets all of his friends onto a uh, transport away off Ferrix and he goes and joins Luthen and Luthen accepts him and on. Let me just say that I definitely thought that ship was going to get shot down. uh, As he sent all the expendable people that Andor cares about into the sunset. I was like, (laughs) that's getting shot down, but it didn't, which is good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And I, I thought he might kill Luthen at the end. Like I was prepared for anything, uh, but mm-hmm. I, I like the way it ended. It put a bow on things. Um, I loved the, uh, I loved the fight scene in on Ferrix, like with the riot gear, mm. and they're trying so hard to not just start opening fire on the citizens. Uh, you know, they're 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 brutal. They're using brutal tactics, but they're not like. They mm-hmm. they do they understand okay we have to keep them in line we don't we can't just kill them and then as soon as that guy throws the bomb it's like okay open fire and um it's over not, that's not yeah and and then it was over the stormtroopers for the first time in a while were scary uh and were just picking off citizens one by mm-hmm. one and I was just like I was so scared for yeah everybody. they were hitting their you know? shots yeah so yeah um, um, that moment whenever. Um, one of the commanders sent stormtrooper up the bell tower. You know that that stormtrooper wasn't going to make it. Dude, what a freaking Spartan <laughs> kick. Just I thought he was going to go Boba Fett, you know, with the hammer to the to the armor uh like in Mandalorian oh, season 2. For some reason I was thinking um knee rockets and I was like, "What?" But okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I thought he was going to just hit him with that hammer, but he just kicked him, which is much more efficient. Uh so much more effective, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Is what that man. Favreau that plays what that a guy? Man. I don't think so, but you know, I could be wrong. Um, in my head, canon is. Um, but yeah, overall, you know, what an incredible season! What an incredible series! We're hopefully we're gonna get. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we're gonna get at least one more season, um, and you know, it'll just send us rocketing right into Rogue One. And uh, we'll be able to we'll be able to cry about mm-hmm. it when it's over. Uh, sounds like things yeah, are we, things are getting rolling with season two. Yeah. Uh, 
they started filming a couple days before the finale came out on November 21st. And mm-hmm. uh, it's supposed Ooh. to wrap up in August sometime filming. Uh, so we should start getting trailers uh, probably probably late summer. So good. Well, let's not forget the uh, the, the post credit scene. Oh. Uh, we see that uh, yeah, what casting was building on Nerkina Five is the Death Star uh, components for the Death Star. The he was building what was going to kill him eventually, which is very sad. But as George Lucas says, it's like poetry; it rhymes. Uh, kind of <laughs> always come back to this on this podcast uh somehow <laughs> somehow um but yeah i have two more discussion questions and then we can start to wrap up this podcast um th- so there's been a theory going around online i'm gonna kind of shoot this to you see how you like it and see if you can stand behind it um so obviously b2 isn't in rogue one so something has to happen to him in season two um, so do you think that uh, Cassian somehow uses B2's chip to reprogram K2SO when they eventually meet, kind of like how Lando did with L3's chip when he uploaded her to the Millennium Falcon? That could be a really good way of uh, passing the torch and kind of um, getting us involved with K2. I saw it float around on some uh, uh, some subreddits for star wars but what do you think yeah, about I've, that i've heard that before um i've heard that theory before i i think it's interesting i don't i you know i just think we're probably not going to see b2 and brasso again i i honestly mm-hmm. think maybe bix shows up in season two but i unfortunately not to be a killjoy i just don't think that those characters that were on that ship are meant to be seen again i think the next the next season is going to be about mm-hmm. the rebellion in a bigger sense, they tease so much with the Mon Mothma stuff. Okay. I just don't think that they're going to dive into oh, the yeah. personal life of Cassian much more. Um, yeah. I feel like we learned everything okay. except for what happened to his original planet, um, which is still left unresolved. But I, I just, maybe mm-hmm. B2 will show back up, but I don't, I don't really see any significant, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. character development with that. Yeah, well, I, I will say that I like that theory. I Initially, I did. But the more I thought about it, I, I just like K2 as a separate character, you know? Um, he has such charm, and I just can't see B2 acting like uh, K2. Yeah, yeah, K2 doesn't uh, have yeah, any sadness. That's my thought. I have... Him. <laughs> no, he doesn't, he doesn't, like, talk about Marva every second. <laughs> I have uh, one more discussion question for you. This one gets really, really deep. So sorry about that in advance. So what do you agree with more? Yoda's do or do not, there is no try, or Nimic's manifesto urging the galaxy just to try? What <laughs> statement do you agree with? Um, I, I, I have been anti-Yoda for a long time now, and I... <laughs> I... <laughs> I would I would definitely <laughs> side with Nimic. I think this yeah, this series killed a lot of whatever was left in me that appreciated the Jedi dogma, I think is gone. I just Yep. The idea I read this on Twitter earlier, the idea of Kenobi hiding in a cave for ten years. Uh you know, he's facing his own demons, but not out there trying to fight. Not out there knowing that he's one of the only people in the galaxy that can actually fight Vader one-on-one. Uh, I just, yeah, well, obviously I guess he didn't really know if Vader was a 
in existence, but I just don't, I just don't love the the whole idea of, of, uh, self-reflection to the point of inaction, you know, that's, that's sinful to me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I agree against everything that people need. And I think Nimic and Cassian mm-hmm. and Melshi and all these relatively minor people that make a huge difference. That's, that's the path that I would side with against the, uh, well, we just have a higher spiritual knowledge than you. So we're going to sit in our temple and think about things mm-hmm. while you commoners fight things out. You know, that's kind of what the Jedi, the Jedi work. I have to agree. Yeah. I have to agree. There's, there's no space wizards saving them. So they, they have to try the space wizards. The Jedi have the luxury of a do or do not. There is no try. You know, it, they have that luxury. These, these common folk, like I'm team common folk all the way. Um, in, in any piece of yes. media I watch yes. watching game of Thrones, I'm team common folk, um, house of dragon team common folk. So, um, you have to try, you don't have, uh, plot armor on, you don't have a lightsaber. You have to try, uh, or the rebellion isn't going to happen. We see, uh, Luke and Obi-Wan kind of happenstance into the rebellion and a new hope. Uh, but no, there's a reason why the rebellion's here and it's because of, normal everyday people just trying to get by and trying to have a better future for uh, their kids and for themselves as well. Amen. Well, I think that's a yeah. good place to wrap Nimic up. is so much better our... than Yoda. Yes. I agree. <laughs> we are pro it's a pro Nimic podcast. Um, yep. That's a, that's a good place to wrap <laughs> things up with uh, our philosophical treatise on Andor. Um, thank you guys for hanging with us. I appreciate the patience. Uh, Definitely. You know, Life, life will slow yeah, down so. here around Christmas, and uh, hopefully we'll be pumping out some episodes leading up to Bad Batch. And mm-hmm. um, you know, talk, we we still have to talk about Tales of the Jedi, so we'll do that soon. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, we will. Well, um, I'm excited too. But thank y'all so much for listening to this episode of the Kessel Rundown Podcast. If you enjoyed, please consider sharing with your friends and family. And if you're watching on YouTube, drop a like and subscribe. Any interaction helps the channel out and keeps us making the content that you enjoy. Uh, we're going to be back soon, hopefully, covering the trailer uh, for Jedi Survivor. Uh, hopefully, you know, if it comes out this next week and more exciting Star Wars news. But until then, may the force be with you. Yeah.